Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. As a church, I want to speak into your heart. I want to speak into the atmosphere over this church this morning. And I want to encourage you in the title of my message called Dig Wells, Not Cisterns. You know, in the book of Jeremiah, which was written about 620 BC, well before Jesus ever came about, Jeremiah was one of the uh, clearest prophetic voices in the Old Testament. He had a very tough calling. Uh, His whole job was to prophesy and to preach to stony-hearted people, people who were disinterested in the gospel, people who were disinterested in the good news. His public ministry uh, uh, was one that was noted by a lot of weeping, a lot of tears, as God expressed His love for humanity through this man, this prophet called Jeremiah. God was using Jeremiah to turn a nation back to him. God was grieving over a people that he had redeemed, that he had established, that he had protected, that he had provided, and yet after all of that, they still chose to walk away. And in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2, verse 13, is one of the most profound uh, um, um, uh, I I suppose, arresting verses when God prophesies through Jeremiah about what Israel, his people, had done. And this is what he said. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Kathy and I live on an acreage property in northern New South Wales. We have four horses and five chickens. And on that property, we live off rainwater. We also have an underwater stream, which is pure, which we can use to fill up our large water tanks. And in my short time living on rural land, I have learned that if you don't alternate the tanks, the water that is in one tank will go, uh, will get filled with bacteria. And so you've got to Use one tank until it's empty, use the other, and then fill up the other one that is empty so it is fresh water. And when God says to Jeremiah, I want you to prophesy to the people of Israel that they've done two things wrong. They've abandoned the fountain of living water, who is God, and they've created for themselves man-made ways to hold or to replicate not the real living water, but a copy of the water. And cisterns were man-made attempts, normally through two ways. Back in Israel's time, you either dug a hole in the ground that could capture water, or you created through pottery, through large vessels, vases, vases, vessels that were able to carry water. The problem was twofold in those water tanks. One is that they were prone to leakage. You dig a hole in the, in the ground and, and fill it up with water, sooner or later it will leak out. And secondly, it was prone to bacteria, it was prone to animals dying in the water. So either way, the attempts that people made to hold water could never stay fresh. And this is what God was saying to Israel. It's because you've departed from the fountain of living water, you've now created ways to fill your heart with joy 
with contentment, with peace. You've fabricated what should have been coming from the fountain. You've now abandoned that and you've fabricated other ways. We call it today in 2023 religion to actually facilitate what was at one point fresh but now is stale water called a cistern. And right across Australia right now this morning, people are gathering in churches often drinking of stale water in man-made attempts to make people feel like they're partaking in something that's life-giving. Yet God still says today, my people, I want you to come back to that fountain of living water. All through Scripture, water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's a symbol of the Word of God. It's a symbol of new life. And it is the devil's mission to either steal you from eternity or to sterilize you and make your life ineffective. And without living water, our lives become ineffective. A well that captures water is a man-made system, but the difference between a well and a cistern is this. A well is built so that its water is continually filled from a fresh spring, underground spring. So when you hear of wells in Scripture, and there are multiple times wells are talked about, it is a well dug into the ground, and yes, it is a man-made well, but it taps into life-giving water from an underwater stream. Whereas a cistern is a man's way just to hold water, but there's no fresh water coming in to circulate. I want to read to you now from Genesis chapter 26, and then I want to speak into four prophetic wells I believe God wants you to establish in this church. Genesis chapter 26 verse 16 says this, Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac. Isaac was the son and, uh, of, of uh, a, a legacy of, of uh, a God-fearing people. And so Isaac finds himself in this time establishing his family in a new land. And it says, finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from Gerea Valley where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death, his father. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerea Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. Isaac was the son of Abraham, and to Abraham was promised all the promises that you and I can walk in today were promised to, I, uh, to Abraham. Back in Abraham's day, he was promised that one day God's people would inherit a land. And that took many, many years for God's people to actually inherit, but that prophetic word came to pass. Isaac was a miracle child of Abraham. 
in their old age, Abraham and Sarai could not have children, and yet God prophesied into them that you will have a son. Isaac's name means laughter. And when he is born, it proves that in your life and my life that God still has the last laugh. That whatever is going on in your life doesn't have the final say on your life. Whatever's happening in your destiny and your family right now does not have the final say. And so in Scripture, a well was a place of great significance. It was a place where many cultural activities took place. It was also a place of great spiritual significance. And for Isaac, reopening his father's wells was not just about creating a water source for his animals, but it was about having provision for future generations. It was about reclaiming territory. It was about a declaration to everyone around that this land is ours. Your pastor Tim said this morning, 12 years ago, I believe there was a prophetic word for this church. That this church would be like Joseph's coat, many colors. But it also said that this church would be a source of blessing to the community around. This church, well before Tim and Wendy's time, under the leadership of Pastor David McDonald, was planted in 1993. In 1993, a great move of God touched our network of churches, which was called at that time Christian Outreach Center, now called International Network of Churches. It was a time when we saw from a a few meetings that began with the Holy Spirit pouring out to a move that actually went right around the world. We now have churches in South America, in Europe, in Asia, in Malaysia, in, in the South Pacific, predominantly because of that move in 1993, inspired people from all generations that God was still on the move, that God had a plan for our life. And from that move and around that time, this church was planted. So this morning, I want to bring to your remembrance, even though most of you weren't here, that this church was planted in a revival spirit. It was planted with a heart to see people refreshed and renewed in the things of God. It was planted not just to be a church that looks after everyone within the four walls, but becomes a church that is passionate about seeing a move of God right across this whole region. That's why this church was planted. And so this morning, Would you allow me just to give you a little bit of remembrance this morning? Maybe to call you back to say, hey, it could be time to redig some of the wells in this church again that our fathers and forefathers have dug. Oftentimes, and especially in this generation, we often see a dishonor towards what our fathers and forefathers have done. And maybe your father or forefather wasn't a healthy figure. And as I talk about digging the wells, we're not talking about in a natural sense, we're talking about in a spiritual sense. But I believe in this church that there are rich wells that God wants us to tap back into again. City Point West, we're only, this is only half time. Your race isn't done yet. You're not done yet. And so there's a little bit of work to do in prayerfully digging these wells. And let me know, 
allow me to let you know that it's hard work. On our property, I'm just about to put in 200 meters of post and rail fence. Pastor Dave, you're going to love this because you love shovels. You love digging things. Even if it doesn't need to be dug, David will dig it. And I rented from a local hire company one of those post hole diggers. You know, it's got the motor on one end and you, and you drop it in. It's got 350 mil auger on it. And, and the minute it hit a rock, it just bounces. It did absolutely nothing. So crowbar and post hole shovel it was. And let me tell you, when it comes to digging wells, spiritually speaking, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to, again, believing that God's best days are still for us, it takes a little bit of effort. It doesn't happen just because God shows up. It's going to take some post hole digging. It's going to take some shoveling. It's going to take some leaning into prayer. It's going to take some worship. It's going to take some faith in this place. But let me tell you, there are some wells that are rich. And like in Isaac's time, the Philistines had filled in the wells. And today, in most churches, the enemy is filled in the wells. Whether it be through a pandemic, whether it be through just enemy attacks, whether it be through economic hardship, we see wells being filled in, filled in with disappointment, being filled in with anxiety and depression, being filled in with, with unbelief being filled in with, well, we thought our prayers would have been answered by now, and they haven't, and so we kind of bring God down to our level, of expe- our level of experience. Well, I haven't seen it happen, so God mustn't be doing it anymore. And every time we do that, we grab a shovel of dirt and we throw it into the well. Every time we doubt that God's on the move, we grab that shovel and we just tip a little bit more soil in. But it's time for us to start redigging those wells. So I want to give you four this morning in the time that we've got left that I believe God wants us to continue to redig here and to open back up. The first one is this. It's the wells that speak of supply and provision. Supply and provision. In Numbers 21, in verse 16, we see a moment. When the Israelites traveled to Biar, or you can call it Bia, we are in Australia, which is where the well where the Lord said to Moses, assemble the people and I'll give them water. Listen to this. There the Israelites sang this song. Spring up, O well. Yes, it's praises. Sing its praises. Sing of this well which princes dug, which great leaders hollowed out with their scepters and staff. So right in the middle of the barren ground, God reminds His people, once before I brought water up out of the earth. Once before there was a a supply that was hidden to human eyes. Once before in your generation, when you were parched and dry, I made a way in the desert for you to be refreshed. And so God reminds Israel, now is the time to sing. Spring up, oh well. And folks, in this place, I believe that there is a rich well of supply and provision in this place. You have not seen what God is yet to do. I love the fact that you are so passionate about serving the community. 
But let me tell you something. You can't serve the community to the fullness of your capacity with only just enough. This church and the people in it need to live in a land of provision and supply where we see the abundance of God moving in our lives. We see the abundance of God moving in our businesses, in our children, in our families, and in our church. And it's time to sing about it. It's time to have an expectant heart that God, against all economic forecasts, you are the God of more than enough. You are the God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You can do it. A well represents opportunity, and it may appear small in size, yet it is connected to a vast underground supply. And I don't know what your prayer is today, but we all have a prayer for blessing, for God to do something unusual in our life. All of us are expecting breakthrough. breakthrough. All of us have got business deals we want to see come to pass, businesses to start. We want to see what God's got. You know, if you're a young person here, watch the media, listen to the news, and you'll never buy a home. Everyone's telling us how bad things are. But let me tell you, with the well of provision and supply, when we believe in a God who can do beyond. Psalm 59 verse 16 says for this, but as for me, I will sing about your power. City Point West, you've got to get your song back. Get your song back. That song of expectation. That song of faith that says, God, you are on the move. You're doing stuff in this region. Our best days are still in front of us. Yes, your family may have challenges. You may have challenges. But let's not put God in that box. Let's not bring God down to that level. He is still in the business of transforming hearts. He's still in the business of turning around people's lives. Let's get our song back. And right in the middle of the desert, God says, sing. Sing about the well. Sing about what God is about to do. Number two is this, wells speak of encounters with God. Verticality must rule rationality and not the reverse. When Jesus is at work, things are happening that cannot be explained by rational categories. Whenever you read about wells in Scripture, one of the things that always happened, well, not always, but often happened about a well was God encounters. God encounters in worship. God encounters with grace. God encounters with the prophetic. The amount of people that had dreams at wells, the amount of people that met people at wells, that had interactions that transformed their life. Moses met his father-in-law at a well. Isaac's servant met his future bride at a well. The woman of Samaria met Jesus at a well. A grace encounter. And we need encounters with God. Come on, let's face it. None of us are going to go to event cinemas if the screen doesn't work. Hey, you're not going to go to the local Caltex if there's no fuel in the Bowser. You're not going to go to a sushi train if there's only seaweed, seaweed sushi left going around and around. I don't know who eats it. You need help whoever does eat it. And here's the deal. 
eventually, no matter how well you do church, people won't hang around if God is not breathing and moving. If the evidence of Jesus changing lives isn't amongst his people, you can have the best light show, the best LEDs, the coolest coffee, but eventually people will leave. Because there is a thirst in this land. We are the most highly medicated generation ever. Everyone's touting that this is the best days, that it's a day of, of, you know, people can be who you are. You can identify and claim whoever you want to be. And yet when you scratch beneath the surface, there is an ache in people. There is a thirst in people for something that is authentic, something that is fresh, something that is real. Folks, people in this region need a touch from God. They need an encounter with a living God. And there is a well in this church that God wants us to unblock where we have an expectancy that God is going to touch and transform hearts. That that son of yours that you've been praying for, mum, that their best days are still waiting for them. That you may have been walking the floor last night in tears and anguish, praying for your boy or your daughter. But we need a place where one day they're going to walk through those doors and the presence of God is going to touch them. It's going to change their hearts. We can't stop believing that that's the God that we serve. And in this place, there is a rich underwater stream of encounters with Jesus. That we wouldn't allow God to be boxed into a 20-minute worship set and say, well, that's when you're allowed to move, Lord. But that we would have a heart that says, God, it can happen in the car park. It can happen in the cafe. It can happen in the bathrooms. You've got nice bathrooms, by the way. God, it can happen in the main streets of the city center. But we want encounters with you. We want encounters. We are desperate for the touch of God. When Jacob, when Jacob, the son of Isaac, years later after this, well, in Genesis 46, has a prophetic encounter that changed his life at a well. Isaac worshipped at a well. Hagar ran away from her master, Sarai, and at a well, an angel came and said, hey, let me touch your life, Hagar. You, you are with a child. And Hagar turns around and she goes, surely the one who lives and sees me. That's what they named the well, the one who lives and the one who sees me. We need an encounter with God. The third one is this, almost done. Wells speak of salvation. Isaiah 12 verse 3 says this, Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The Hebrew translated word for well here also means fountains. The fountains of, well, of, of salvation. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 11, Because of the blood of my covenant with you, says the Lord, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. The waterless pit. Folks, I want you to hear this. God's promise through His covenant is to set the prisoners free from the pit that has no water in it. 
from that pit that promised life, from the pit that promised hope, from the pit that promised contentment, that the, the pit of relationships and multiple marriages that people thought, if I can just marry him or just marry her, they'll complete me. But it is a waterless pit and people are thirsty. In John chapter 4, when Jesus, you know, I love the way Scripture says it. It says Jesus had to go to Samaria. Let me tell you something about John 4. Jesus didn't have to go to Samaria. In fact, most Jewish people walked an extra four days to go around Samaria because they didn't like Samaritans. Samaritans were impure Jewish people. Jesus wanted to go to Samaria. He wanted to meet this beautiful lady and have an encounter of grace and salvation at the well. We've got to believe in this region. God is still into seeing people come to Christ. That God is still seeing altars full, hearts changed. Folks, all the governmental reform and God bless it, we need it, isn't going to bring about the change that this nation needs. It's got to happen through a breath of God and the salvation of humanity as people come back to our living hope that the God of this nation, Australia, is still in the business of changing hearts. We've all got family members, we've all got friends that right now we know their lives are so messed up. And in this church is a rich well of salvation. And I'm going to ask this morning that we would not lose heart in redigging that well. That we wouldn't find ourselves putting our shovels down and going, well, it's never going to happen. There is still hope for your kids, there's still hope for your parents. There's still hope for your brother, your sister, your work colleagues. God's still looking for a generation of people that will stand on the wall like watchmen. That aren't going to give up because we haven't seen the fruit. We're not going to give up because we haven't seen the evidence yet. We're not going to give up because we've been praying for years. And some of you have been praying for years for your loved one to come to Christ. Don't give up now. He is still the God of salvation. And in this church is a rich, rich well of salvation. This auditorium isn't big enough for what God has promised for this place. Now, we'll work with it. But let me tell you, you want to mess up your world, you want to get a church back onto the cutting edge of what God's doing, start seeing people coming to Christ. Wells of salvation. Last one is this. Musicians can come. Wells speak of healing and wholeness. Healing and wholeness. There is a story in 2 Kings chapter 2. Verse 20, about a prophet called Elijah. And he comes to a city region. And they say to Elijah, hey, the land looks really nice, but the water is bitter. So everything looks good, but the the heart of the matter is, is barren. There's a barrenness in the land. 
God speaks to Elijah and he throws a bit of salt in the water and the water becomes purified and the land becomes fruitful again. And here's what I believe God is saying, Tim, for this church here, is that in this place, God is unlocking the well of generational trauma, that God is going to bring healing where there has been pain, that in this place, God is going to break and bring healing to the cycle of dysfunction to some people. And you felt that you'd been trapped. Your parents were trapped. Your grandparents were trapped. And you feel helpless in this place. You need to know this morning that there is a rich well of healing and wholeness in this place. And like that water source in the days of Elijah, where God brought healing to it, God is going to bring healing to your life. God's going to bring healing to your heart. You know, there's an old saying that says this, hurt people, hurt people. Let me add to it. Hurt people, help hurt people, stay hurt. But healed people, help people, get healthy. There is a healing that God wants to do in this church. And it's rich. It's in the well in this place. You may not have experienced yet, but you hang around long enough. And let me tell you, that water is making its way to the surface. It's going to be bubbling out. It is a fountain. And change is going to happen. But God is going to bring healing to people's hearts. Where there has been bitterness, there's going to be joy. Where there's been poverty, there's going to come enough and more than enough. Where there's been barrenness, where there's been a cycle of shame, God's going to bring honour and joy. Jesus is the Redeemer, turns bitter waters into sweet. In that story in 2 Kings where it says the word healed, it says the waters were healed. The word heal is the same as the word rafa. And it's an expansive word. It actually means this. It includes healing, not only of individual distresses, but also the hurts of nations. A cleansing of water, elimination of miscarriages, repair of broken pottery, reversal of sterility, healing of national defects, or whatever else may be barren or unfruitful. And your testimony in this place will be a testimony that says God has healed the wells of generations. going to heal generational trauma. He's going to heal generational poverty. He's going to help you recover from generational mental illness. City Point West, the story changes here. The story changes here. In your family, in your location, now there is a fountain of life bursting forth. Amen and amen. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, 
or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.